Welcome to the Wisdom Club podcast, where we talk to inspirational business leaders in our community that inspire us to lead a life full of wisdom and build a business as worthy of our wildest dreams. I'm your host, Leo Chen. I'm a tech entrepreneur, real estate advisor, and investor located right here in sunny coastal Orange County, California. And the goal of this podcast is to expand your mind and share what's possible. All right, here we go. Let's Hello, William. How's it going? You know, I, I was just looking at your at your screen there, and I think you got like next level uh, tech skills to have your name stenciled right there on your screen. I'm like, I don't, I need that. <laughs> I need that. I don't even know why I need it, but I for sure need it. Uh, every everybody needs that, and uh, you know, it's a it's an application we use to to kind of uh, stream and uh, get. Uh, control over your camera so with this application you can do like multiple cameras you can do all kinds of overlays so sometimes when you see people be able to move stuff around they're using the same uh same oh i for sure need that i don't even know what it is but yeah i, I for sure need that <laughs> yeah. uh, even though i have one camera so <laughs> <laughs> all right uh welcome to the wisdom club podcast uh thank you so much for uh coming on with us i see a few people jumping on with us and i'm uh, so excited today for uh, William Branham to be here with us and taking the time and uh, share a lot of a lot of wisdoms uh, with us uh, today. And um, I've been uh, looking forward to this because uh, William and I are in a, um, a mastermind or two, and we see each other, uh, I think, at least once or twice a week. And yep. uh, we go deep dive into business, but also just the mindset around our lives and how to take care of ourselves. Because when we can't take care of ourselves, we we uh, we can't do our business. And um, I want to introduce you guys to him. And um, one of the main reasons I wanted to have him on is because he just has a wealth of experience um, in the military and uh, coming from the uh, Navy SEAL, being a Navy SEAL for 26 years. And um, all of the rest of us are you know, basic humans compared to, uh, you know, these badasses. And so I want to uh, have him talk about, you know, his, his story, uh, how he got into the military, what that was like, and, uh, you know, demystify some of the myth, you know, around uh, the SEAL team and uh, things like that, and uh, what we should all know and what we can learn from it. So, uh, William, how are you? I'm doing well. I think you, you may have inflated me, my ego a little bit there. And I'm like, who are you talking about? <laughs> Who, who no, is that no, guy? No. I want to no. listen to him. <laughs> no, not not at all, not at all. Um, I am um, uh, have a lot of gratitude for anybody who served in our military, and uh, in fact, I just uh, I just sold a home to um, uh, a veteran who just got married, and they just went bam, 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 got married, went on honeymoon. We got started right away, and about three weeks through a month, they're moving into a new home. And it's so rare nowadays for people to do that because their uh, prices are high. And it's hard to get started as a new couple, and I'm so proud of them. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't want to digress too much. But uh, tell us about uh, you, your origins, growing up, and um, I, I love to know how you got into the military because um, you know we all have different reasons for doing what we do. Sure. So I so I, I grew up in a little town outside of Meridian, Mississippi, Collinsville, Mississippi, to be exact. And so there's not a lot there. I was uh, heavily involved in the Boy Scouts. I was poor. Um, when I say poor, I mean, I got free lunches from first through 12th grade poor. Uh, our, our, my grandparents helped us a good amount, um, you know, to have, you know, new clothes at the beginning of the school year and things like that. But 
you know, my parents were very poor. My dad was in the Navy. He retired as a, you know, as a, as an E6, he drove a truck. Uh, there was an accident and he actually pinched a nerve in his arm and he had no, uh, like his bicep disintegrated. And so he was on disability. And so that was not a whole lot of income, his Navy retirement, which is not very much money, uh, like a few hundred dollars a month. And then the disability that he got from that accident, not that much money. So, and my mom worked, but again, not a whole lot of money. Uh, fortunately, we were in Mississippi where the cost of living is fairly low, but still, you know, I grew up and I, I really had a mediocre mindset. I had a, a you know, I was a just regular kid growing up. Um, I wasn't very good in school. I was okay at uh, athletically, actually not, not that good. Uh, I have no natural athletic abilities at all. I suck at all sports. Um, although I'm pretty good at, at jujitsu and I'm an okay, you know, kickboxer better at jujitsu. Uh, but any, any of the traditional sports, you know, football, baseball, basketball, I have zero hand eye coordination. I pretty much suck at all of that stuff. Um, I, I think, I'm always the last kid picked. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And, and I, I think the skills that you just, um, you just listed out as what you're good at are like, it, it, it struck, it struck a nerve with me because those are like basic survival skills, you know, uh, as opposed to, you know, playing a sport. So what if you can, you know, throw a ball fast, does that mean you can be able to kill an animal, you know, or, right. or be able to, you know, uh, withstand, you know, the, the tough times and things like that physically and mentally. So, um, so I actually love that. So, well, thank you. So, um, so I have just, just to kind of set the stage, zero athletic ability. Um, everything I have, I had to, I feel like I've always had to work harder than, than the next guy, which is okay. Um, I think that's, you know, that's one of the things, the struggles that we go through are the things that make us better at the end of the day. Uh, if we just have things handed to us, we don't appreciate what we have. And so I think that struggle and, and suffering is and doing really hard things is, is a good thing. And it makes us better, it makes us all better, no matter what, no matter what you're struggling with. I think if you, once you get to the other side of it, you're just going to be a better person at the end. Um, so again, heavily involved in the Boy Scouts. I was an Eagle Scout. And because of my dedication to this, you know, to, to the Boy Scouts, um, one year there was a national jamboree. They happen every four years. And the Boy Scout organization that I was a part of, they paid for me to go to this national jamboree. And this was the summer between my 11th and 12th grade of high school. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to be in the military. I just didn't know what that meant. Uh, I knew I wanted to be part of some sort of small elite military organization. Again, I didn't know what that meant. I grew up watching John Wayne movies. He was, uh, so there was a movie where he was a Green Beret in Vietnam. Um, lots of cowboy movies. I watched, uh, there was uh, Chuck Norris made a movie called Delta Force where they're hunting terrorists around the world and they're riding dirt bikes and shooting rockets off the front. I still haven't gotten a chance to do that. Maybe that's on bucket list. I watched a lot of Kung Fu theater. I wanted to be a ninja when I grew up. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, and so I always knew I wanted to be part of something like that. I, you know, I watched Rambo as a kid, uh, GI Joe. So those are like my role models growing up. And then I, I go to this national jamboree and I meet another kid. Uh, and, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, when I graduate high school, I want to go to the Naval Academy. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Maybe I want to go to the Naval Academy, even though I don't want to join the Navy. And I'll talk about that more about that in a minute. Um, and he said, I want to fly, I want to fly F-14 Tomcats, like uh, the movie Top Gun. And I want to be a Navy SEAL. And I'm like, that's cool. What's a Navy SEAL? 
Uh, he, so he explained it to me. It's the most elite military organization in the world. They jump out of airplanes. They blow stuff up. They shoot guns. They sneak around in the woods. They scuba dive. They do all these things. I'm like, that's what I want to do. That's it right there. That's it. Hands down. And I also maybe want to go to the Naval Academy. And maybe I also want to fly up 14 Tomcats. I guess one out of three ain't bad. Um, I did not go to the Naval Academy. I did not fly airplanes, but I did become a Navy SEAL. And uh, But it wasn't a, 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 a clean transition. So I came back from that national jamboree and then the Navy recruiter called me like two weeks later. He's like, Hey man, have you ever thought about joining the Navy? And I was like, man, yes. I, you know what? I want to go to the Naval Academy. I want to fly F-14 Tomcats and I want to be a Navy SEAL. And he was like, check, come on down here to the recruiting office and let's have a conversation. So I went down there and basically I joined the Navy uh, a year before I graduated high school the summer before my 12th grade. So I, I, I joined in the de delayed entry program. And, uh, and, and as soon as I graduated high school, my, my 12th grade of high school, I went off to boot camp. And, uh, and when I got to boot camp, I took the, the Navy SEAL screening test and I failed it the first time I took it. Um, and what I, what I learned, I didn't learn it right away. I learned it later on in life. Uh, I learned is that, you know, the, the screening test, there are minimum standards that you have to meet. And as that mediocre kid with low self-esteem, you know, with on free lunches, I was, uh, I was looking at that minimum standard and I was like, that's what I have to do. I have to get to the minimum standard. And what I wasn't thinking is I need to destroy the minimum standard and crush it. And so let's just say, you know, to, uh, you know, you, so the, the, the screening test is it's a, it's a 500 yard swim. You have to do it in a certain amount of time, uh, pushups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and a mile and a half run that you do in long pants and boots. And, um, and so I did the swim, I did okay, I passed it. And then it came time to do the pushups. You only have to do 52 pushups. That's not very many pushups. At least it's not to me anymore. Um, and I think I got to like, and I was like, 52 is my number. I just have to get to 52. And I think I got to like number 38. And I was like, 37, 38, oh, I can't do it anymore. And so I, I didn't continue. I, you know, I, I basically quit during the test. I failed it because I, I couldn't do 52 pushups. I went back. I graduated boot camp. I went to this next school that I was supposed to go to. Uh, I got in better shape. And I was like, I should go take the SEAL screening test so I can go to SEAL training right after this school. But I didn't. I graduated that school and took a, you know, orders to another school so I could get in even better shape because I'm like, let's not fail that thing again. But what I found out is after I took the orders to the second school, I had 24 months of obligated service to a ship in Yokosuka, Japan. So before I became a SEAL, I had to go right on a ship for 24 months, you know, across the Pacific. Um, and then I still almost didn't get a chance to go to, to SEAL training um, because that, that second school that I went to, um, when it came time for me to, you know, call the, you know, the guy that's in charge of who tells you where to go next, uh, when I called him up and I was like, hey, man. Uh, I'm going to put a package in to go to Bud's. I want to become a Navy SEAL. And he's like, that's great that you have that motivation and that initiative, but I'm not going to let you go because you are too critical to the Navy. That job, that school you went to made you too critical. So I'm not going to let you go to, to become a Navy SEAL. And I was like, what? And so he had final say until one day, the chief of Naval operations came to my ship in Yokosuka, Japan. And to kind of put in perspective who this person is, who the chief of Naval operations is, he's the most senior person in the Navy. The only people more senior to him is the Secretary of Defense and the President of the United States. So this one person 
who's in charge of the entire Navy, came to my ship in Yokosuka, Japan. There's like 10 other ships there. He only came to mine. He didn't go to any other ship. And we, you know, we had all hands. Everyone, you know, got on the, on the outside of the ship and, and the CNO stood up there. He gave his vision of the Navy and said, hey, this is my vision. Does anyone have any questions? I raised my hand. He calls on me and he said, uh, yes, sir. And I said, I joined the Navy to become a Navy SEAL. I think I deserve a chance to go. Uh, but my detailer won't let me go. He says, I'm too critical to the Navy because of the school that I went to. What do you think? I think I deserve a chance to go. What do you think? He turns to my commanding officer and he says, is he a good guy? <laughs> Fortunately, I did express to my commanding officer that I was going to uh, ask the CNO. And he was like, yeah, he was a sailor of the quarter this quarter, which is like employee of the month. He turns back to me and says, check, you'll be in the first class after your PRD, which is planned rotational date. Six weeks later, I'm off to California and started SEAL training. And it took me a short 13 months to get through that six-month block of training because I like, got injured a few times. Wow, that's that's an amazing story. I mean, um, this is uh, this is my my first takeaway here, uh, you know, as far as the lessons, the wisdom that we have from here is that you wanted to be a Navy SEAL, but it would all these other things before you can you can get there. And you kind of got uh, redirected, right? Yes. Uh, redirected here, redirected there. And because you didn't do 52 push up, you sort of took a detour, right? Right. And then, and then, but you knew you wanted to do that. And uh, as you were talking, I was thinking, well, you wanted to be a ninja. That was like your, your, your goal. <laughs> but then, you know, the Navy SEAL was like, you know, American ninja, right? You know, right. Uh, American version of it. And so I, that, that makes totally sense, right? Like, I, I don't know if you put that together earlier on, but like that makes total sense. Like I'm a ninja here, like I'm an American and we're going to be an American ninja, right? What's called Navy SEAL. And right. so, um, so that, that persistence of, you know, getting there and having the guts to, to ask that and, and make that happen. Those are the gems in our, our lives. You know, we, we, we think about the things like, Hey, I wanted to get here, but I'm blocked, but what if I did this? What if I did that? And if I asked this person, ask it, and then you, 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 you get one little break and you're off, you know, on the, on the right, right path. So, um, so awesome. So what is it like being, you know, after you're able to do 52 push-ups and, and be, able to, <laughs> be able to finish, uh, finish, uh, you know, the, I guess the qualification, if you will. And, so, uh, yeah. So you show up, you show up there and, uh, and you go into like a, a holding, uh, company, if you will, it's just a group of guys waiting to start the next class mm -hmm. and you work out twice a day. It's a pretty good deal. You run on the beach. People pay lots of money to live right there on the beach in, in Coronado, California lots of money. And I got to, I got paid to live pretty much on the beach. Um, of course I had a lot of sand in my room and, 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 you know, I brought it in on my clothes or on my skin oftentimes. Um, but, uh, so the first thing they do is they, they make sure that you're in good shape. And then two weeks before you actually start the first phase of training, they start training you on how, on all the skills that you're going to need in order to graduate that first phase of training. So Hell Week is the, you know, it's, uh, I think it's week number five of, of BUDS. And um, you have a bunch of prerequisites that you have to meet and pass, you know, four mile time runs, underwater swim, uh, this thing called drown proofing, where you're, you're tied up, your hands are tied behind your back and your feet are tied together and you jump in the water and you're expected to survive. Uh, you know, you bob up and down, you, you have to float without kicking around, you have to swim a hundred yards while tied up and then you come back and you do front flips and back flips underwater and pick up your mask off the bottom of the pool with with your teeth and 
and hopefully you don't uh, it, aspirate too much water. Um, and if you pass all of these events, underwater knot tying and, and several other events, uh, you pass these events while getting extra, um, extra attention. So I was not a very good runner, uh, at least especially in the soft sand. And so I got extra attention because I would fall behind on runs. And so they have this thing called the goon squad. And the goon squad is where you, uh, you, you, get, you get extra attention, where you, you do lots more push-ups, you do a lot of uh, uh, running back and forth to the surf zone and back and see who can win. And it always pays to be a winner. And uh, I, I wasn't very smart in, that, uh, in, in those events because I was like, I'm going to be the first guy to get out of the goon squad. Well, even though there were lots of us in there, some of us were just faster than others. And so I would think that I would be able to win and I would like burn myself out in the beginning. And so finally I was like, I, I need to like slow myself down and like let the fast guys get out of here and then I can win a race and, and get out of here. But, you know, again, going back to those adversity of, of being in the goon squad, I actually became a, a faster runner. My cardiovascular increased because I was working so much harder than other guys. And so eventually I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't fall behind on runs anymore. I was able to keep up, uh, but it was, you know, it was actually until I got to Hell Week that I really learned how to like really dig down deep into my soul because Hell Week is five and a half days. You're cold, you're wet, you're miserable. And I got into a boat crew of winners. And what I mean by that is, is these are guys that wanted to be in they wanted to win every single race that we did. So Hell Week, it's all about, you, you carry this boat around on your head. Uh, everything is a race. It doesn't matter if you're going from the, the ocean to the chow hall that's a mile away. Everything is a race. And so we would maybe start in the back of, you know, there's maybe 15 boats in the beginning of, uh, with seven guys in each, uh, each boat crew. And we would start in the back. And no matter what, we would always find ourselves in the front. And I, I got into that boat crew because I saw that very early on, these guys were winning. I was maybe in boat crew four or five, and it's all based on height, and everyone's about the same height. But I saw like Sunday night, Monday morning, I saw boat crew three winning everything. And then we lost a whole bunch of people, and we had to reshuffle boat crews. And I was like, whatever I do, I'm going to get in boat crew three. So I was like, okay, boat crew three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, I'm number five, and then six, seven. And so I made sure I stayed in that boat crew the rest of the week um, because, and there were times where I would just feel sorry for myself. We're running along, boat on our head. My legs hurt, my lungs hurt, my stomach hurts. I got a cramp in my side. I want to slow down, but I'm also surrounded with these six other guys who want to be in the front. And I'm like, I want to be in the front too. So I just suck it up and I push through the pain and pretty soon someone else is feeling the pain and I'm feeling pretty good, but we all just keep pushing forward. And those are some of the lessons that I learned in, you know, in, in SEAL training. It was, it was really about the teamwork and not letting your team down and not feeling so. Yes, you can feel sorry for yourself, but you just have to like push through that pain. And then there is success on the other side of that pain always. Yeah. You know, um, that, that's, a, you know, as all, a lot of us are now, um, at least the people that I'm around, they all started on their own business. Some a little younger, some a little older, and um, but at this day and age, a lot of people um, have opportunities to start new businesses. Especially through COVID, now some people got laid off and have an opportunity to say, "Hey, I'm going to start my own business." But one of the big things about starting a business is that if you're not around, you know, the people who are doing well in whatever field that you're in, 
you're not going to get there because you can't get there alone. And just like you said, you, you don't want to let the people around you down. But then also you've raised your own minimum standard, right? Your own minimum standard is has become the team's minimum standard, right? Right. Yes. And if they wanted to raise that minimum standard as a team, you you will go you know up with them. And so uh, I think uh, that's something that you know a lot of times it's subtle in our lives. We don't we don't think about it, and we end up you know hang around people that drink too much, hang around people that that uh, are you know too lazy for our own good, or uh, you know sometimes you know I know in in my life we have you know people that we were born with our family and stuff like that. Maybe they weren't high achievers and things like that, and we just thought we need to stick around them. Uh, to be, you know, and and just be like them when there's this whole other world of people who, you know, can achieve high uh, levels of success that you want to. But in order to do that, you have to have some separation. You, you know, you still want to, you know, be around your family, but your 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 achievement has to be around people who are achieving as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I have a I have a coaching client, and she like one of her biggest things that she wanted to change was the people that were surrounding her, her kind of inner circle. She was like, I want to make a lot of money. I want to grow my company. I want to like grow myself personally and professionally. And, you know, I, I'm surrounded by people who are, they're just like, everything is good enough for them. Like they don't have any desire. And they're like attorneys and all sorts of other stuff. And, and, and she was like, I, but you can make so much more money. She's, She's out there trying to grow as a person, grow her company, grow her business. And so she can reward, you know, all of her employees with, with more money and, and things like that. And then the people that she's around, they're, they're just like, it's good enough. I make enough money. I'm, it's fine. And, you know, now we've got this weird thing called inflation and weird high interest rates and weird stuff going on with the, with the country and the economy. And, and now she's starting to like, she's really changed her circle and she's starting to really like hockey stick in in her business and and the things that she's doing and uh and it's and it's because she made a conscious effort to surround herself by people that are better than her people who are more successful you know it's it's terrible to be a big fish in a small pond i mean it's good for the ego but it's not good for growth and so every opportunity i get I'm like, I want to be the minnow in the ocean to try to not be, you know, fast enough to not be eaten by the shark, but uh, so that I can continue to grow and 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 be challenged and, and things like that. Yeah, I, I you know, I heard a, a quote um, a couple of about it's been about two, three years ago that if you are in a, if you're the if you're the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. Yeah, 100%. Right. And um, so fortunately for want- me, I'm not very smart. So I, it doesn't matter what room I walk into. <laughs> uh, I would beg to differ. But um, uh, William, um, t- tell me about uh, the Navy SEAL mindset that, that, you know, you have your shirts, you're always wearing the shirt, get naked, you know, hats and everything. And I love that because it really gets people's attention. And um, tell tell me, tell everybody and tell, tell me, I mean, I want to know more about what get get naked means. So when I, this started happening really before I retired, but you know, when I retired from the military, I, while I was in the military, that's all I've ever done my entire adult life. From the day I graduated high school, pretty much till I retired 26 years later, all I've done has been in the military. And so, but through that service, I've got some, what I call baggage. 
uh, along the way. Some of it's from occupational stuff. Some of it's from, um, you know, not so awesome relationships that I've been a part of. And, you know, when I left the military, when I retired, um, air quotes, retired, not really retired. I don't think I'll ever be retired. But, uh, you know, when my time in the military was up, you know, it was like that movie, The Avengers, where Thanos snaps his fingers and half the world's population goes away. While I was in the military, while I was in the SEAL teams, I had a purpose, I had a mission, and I had a team. And it was a pretty badass purpose, mission, and team. And the day that I left, I lost all of that, or that's how I felt, that I lost everything in my life, everything that was, I mean, I have a family and all this other stuff, but, you know, my purpose as a man, my purpose, my mission in life, my, and, and, and the people that I surround myself with, it, they were all gone in like the blink of an eye. And so, uh, you know, I, I had some dark times, uh, you know, again, I had a lot of noise in my head. I was using alcohol as a medicine to uh, turn down or dull out that noise in my head. And, um, and so I found this molecule called CBD. Uh, you know, I originally heard about it when I was still on active duty, but because I was afraid of, you know, I'm a child of Nancy Reagan's war on drugs, just say no. Uh, I was, I was terrified to try it. And, and also if it, you know, I, what if I pop positive on a drug test and I'm, you know, I I'm out of the military before my time is up. And so that's not cool. So let's not do that. Uh, I retired. Um, I, I was having lunch with a, a friend of mine and I said, Hey, when, when I'm done here, uh, I'm going to see if I can go find a, you know, some CBD. Cause maybe what you have in Virginia is better than what we have in Hawaii. And, and I thought maybe that was, you know, sort of the, the whole idea about it. Um, you know, it would, it would help me even though I didn't know that much about, about the product or, or what it did. I'd heard people talk about it, but no real, no real clue. And so he, he actually had a bottle at home that a company gave him because he's a bit of an Instagram influencer. And, and what CBD did for me, I didn't notice anything right away, is uh, it like helped turn down the noise in my head. So I was started to drink less. I started to sleep a little bit better. I had a little less uh, anger in my life. And so I use the analogy when I say water boils at 212 degrees, I was probably living my life at 210 degrees. So it didn't take much for me to hit that boiling point. You know, very, you know, my, my fuse was very short. And I, when I started taking CBD, I didn't notice anything right away. I didn't really notice anything until I finished the bottle. I stopped taking CBD and I started, you know, my, it seemed like my fuse started getting shorter. Again, I couldn't really determine why it was longer, but what, what really happened is so, you know, water boils at 210, I was living at two, uh, two, 212, I was living at 210 and I went from like 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190, maybe 185. I just had, you know, more time for these triggers to come in and, uh, and I was able to process them and respond to them rather than to react to them. So that was something I noticed, you know, within the first month or two of taking CBD. And so what I, what I realized is I have to take that baggage that I'm carrying around off. I have to take that armor that I'm wearing around, that ego that I'm wearing around, I have to take that off. You know, it's great in combat. We put body armor on, we go into harm's way. Sometimes it saves our life and it's awesome. And when we come back, we take that armor off and we hit the showers, we recover and we get ready for the next, next mission. In life, we end up never taking that armor off. We end up, we feel like we're attacked in some way or another. And we end up like, we just like, it's more baggage, more armor, more protection, like hiding behind something. And so what Get Naked is all about 
originally was all about was like taking that ego off, taking that baggage off, taking that armor that you're wearing around off, set it to the side, find an opportunity to, to, to expose yourself, to become vulnerable so you can find the healing that you actually need. And so once I found the healing that I actually needed in my own life, I looked back, I'm like, okay, how can I make my life better? So I thought about all the things that I'd learned in the SEAL teams, and I came up with this acronym of, of NAKED. And so NAKED stands for never quit, accept failure. The K is to kill mediocrity. The E is expose your fears. And the D is to do the work. And so, and, and so from that, I, I actually you know, give up this as a, as a keynote presentation from stage. Uh, and if you want to learn more about what, what uh, Get Naked is all about, it, you, it's, it's five steel secrets. Uh, there's five letters. So again, it's never quit, accept failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears and do the work. And if you want to get uh, a copy of what five seal secrets is all about, it's free. Uh, if you go to the website five, the number five sealsecrets.com, put your name and email in there and I will email you uh, a, a PDF. It's about eight pages with some cool pictures of, of seal training and some other stuff on, on, and it really breaks down what, what get naked is all about. Yeah, um, awesome. I will. I will definitely put that uh, link um, in our uh, in our comments and in our posts and in our uh, show notes here, so that people can can uh, sign in and get that. Uh, so thanks for thanks for explaining that. Now, um, so it sounds like you really began kind of a new life uh, away from the military, and um, you know you describe a little bit about what your experience initially with CBD and stuff like that. So how did, how did the, uh, the CBD products and your involvement with CBD kind of evolve from there and what else have you learned from it that, that might help other people? Sure. So, so I, I, I recognized that CBD might have been the modality that helped me. Maybe not, maybe it was some sort of placebo. I don't really know. So I tried a different brand and I had similar results. So now I'm like, Again, I'm lost. I'm not sure what to do next. Um, and so I, I think my next mission and purpose is to uh, is is the CBD industry. So I'm like kind of reaching out to companies, like really trying to get them to hire me. And now CBD has only been legal in the United States federally since uh, December 20th of 2019. I tried CBD for the first time. It was like April of of, uh, I'm sorry, 2018. And I tried CBD for the first time, April of 2019. And, um, and so soon after that, I'm like, I need to figure out, like, I, I think this is what I want to do. And I met a girl at a, at a, uh, at a, at a business summit. Um, Bedros Koulian, uh, put on the empire business summit in, in San Diego. And, uh, and so I went to that and I met a girl in the, in the CBD industry. She was putting CBD into kinesiology tape. And uh, she, you know, it's because uh, Instagram and Facebook and social media, they look at CBD as an illicit substance still, even though it's federally legal. Um, and so she was like, how do I market this? And all I heard was I sell CBD. And so I was like, okay, wait for the Q&A is over. And then I'm going to go find that girl and I'm going to talk to her. So I, the Q&A was done. I tracked her down. I was like, hey, you're the CBD girl, right? She was like, yeah. She was like, I want to be in CBD. She's like, and really, I wanted her to hire me. I wanted her to like, teach me and all this other stuff. And uh, maybe this is my new mission and purpose and, and part of my new team. And so she was like, okay, well, do you want to do A to B, B to B or B to C? And I was like, 
I don't know what those letters mean. I want to do C, B, D. I, like, I don't know, A, B, C, D. Um, and so she was like, check. She's like, well, why don't you just start your own CBD company? And I said, uh, I don't know how to do that. And she leaned in and she said, you are a Navy SEAL. You can figure it out. And so I asked her for my man card back. And so she, she politely gave it back to me and I put it in my pocket not to give that thing up again. And, uh, and, and I started researching the industry and I found out the industry is incredibly dirty. You know, it's really a lot of, it's, it's cleaning up now, but you know, back then it was late 2019 and uh, you know, the FDA has gone out and done lots of spot checks. Other organizations have gone out and done lots of spot checks and they found that more than 70% of the products on the market either didn't have CBD in them. They had high levels of heavy metal, mercury, arsenic, lead, things like that. They had pesticides, herbicides, uh, high levels of THC outside the legal limit of, of 0.3%. And, um, and so it was, it was, you know, very unregulated. And, uh, and so my, I thought my purpose, my mission was to, to um, create the highest quality CBD on the market. And so what I did is I went in and I found the highest quality suppliers out there and and worked with them to to come up with the products that we sell today and one of the things that set us apart from other uh, companies like the biggest names out there is the quality assurance that we were applying you know from 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 the supplier side so you extract the oil from the plant and then you you send it off to an independent third-party lab you look at you know what's in the oil make sure there's no toxins no molds no anything like that no heavy metals and then you run it through the manufacturing process and then we would take the final product and then we would send that off to a, a independent third-party lab and to make sure that there was it you know it has the amount of cbd we say it has in it it doesn't have anything that we don't want in it and uh you know what you know because if you're putting something in your body to be a, a air quotes here medicine i'm not saying it's medicine as a medicine uh, medicinal effects you don't want to be putting a bunch of poisons in your body like like uh lead and mercury and arsenic and and uh and pesticides and things like that so all of our products now the oil is usda certified organic which is a kind of a a, a tough uh thing to get especially as a, as a small company um not all the products are usda certified organic but the oil that goes into it absolutely is um and but we still have very high quality uh products uh, along the way there and so and so as we were moving along i was like okay so that's our mission highest quality product in the market what's a bigger mission than that because everyone has now has a premium quality CBD. What's a bigger mission than that? And so uh, I looked at where I came from. I looked at my my history, my background, and you know I found the the statistic that 22 veterans take their lives every single day. We've lost more veterans to suicide than we have in 20 years of sustained combat and two theaters of war. And as a matter of fact, my dad is one of those 22. So that became a very personal mission for me and for us at Naked Warrior Recovery. So our mission at Naked Warrior Recovery is to eliminate veteran suicide and you know, CBD is a modality to help us get there. And then the, the Navy SEAL get naked mindset is, is another piece of that. Yeah, I, I, I really love all of that stuff that, that kind of all kind of come together, you know, from the product itself, you know, um, working for you, how you can have it work for uh, other people, but not just anyone, but the highest statistics of, you know, uh, people who have depression or from the military or PTSD or um, anything. And you experience that, you know, and so that's something you can directly, you know, uh, speak to and, um, and help those others who are kind of like you. That's, that's, everybody has to get, get to the point where they have to leave the military at some point. 
right? Uh, just like an athlete, you know, they were in, they've been in football for all of their lives. And all of a sudden, you know, like, Hey, they get an injury. They have to retire from the, yep. from the, from the sport. And all of a sudden everything's turned off. Like, okay, now what you're starting a whole new life. You don't know where even, even to go. Right. And it, it is interesting. I found that to be a real problem with lots of people, high performers, entrepreneurs, um, business owners, athletes, uh, rock stars, um, you know, you, you have this, this thing that you do and then one day it's gone and you can't go back to it. I mean, even entrepreneurs, let's just say, you know, sold their company, sold their business, paid off the debt, you know, had a, a nice check at the end of the day, bank accounts full and, uh, and they have a loss of purpose and mission and, you know, they don't know what to do with themselves. And so that, I mean, this transition in life is is a real thing for lots of people everywhere and we all have these life transitions we all transition from you know we get married or we get divorced or we have kids or we lose a job or we have a global pandemic or whatever it is there's just all sorts of life transitions and oftentimes they end up nearly ruining our lives because we have such an identity uh tied to that thing that we did rather than owning our own identity over here and just saying i'm going to go crush whatever i do we we just get stuck in 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 what we used to do instead of looking forward and like, let's figure out what the next thing is. Yeah. I, I feel like there's, a, we have a lot more vulnerabilities today than we ever had. I mean, just think of it just a few years ago, uh, you know, 2019, like nobody knew what COVID was, right? right. All of a sudden it changed, you know, millions of people's lives, you know, in one way or another. And then people have lost jobs. People don't know how to cope. People got sick. We know, we all know people that, you know, you know, died from COVID in one form or another, or one way or another. Uh, we all see the numbers. And um, so um, that's, that's a vulnerability that we didn't, you know, know that was coming, just like a lot of trend and, you know, people you know, lose their jobs in their transition, even if they didn't get sick, or something like that, they had to figure out a way to start a new life somehow. And uh, right. we just, you know, just that one virus, you know, cost, you know, this tremendous amount of, you know, change, you know, economically, personally, society, you know, in our society and everything. So um, to, now that you've gone through kind of all this experience, how, how can people, you know, let's that, pull back a little bit. How can people in general cope with their anxieties and a stressor, whether they were in this massive transition or there is just something that that's, you know, in their lives every single day that just, you know, never goes away, kind of like anxieties and things like that, that never goes away. What, what have you learned that could uh, help, uh, help people, you know, uh, do you have a sort of a process and how you kind of talk people through it? So uh, that's a great question. Um, I think planning, for example, you're planning on selling a company, you're planning on getting out of the military, you're planning on getting a divorce, make a plan maybe changing jobs, make a plan, like figure out what you want to do. Think about what you want to do before you're like, it's crunch time. And then, you know, I, I, I call it like five seal secrets of, of, of life transitions. And it's really military, but military uh, mission planning process is you, you, you figure out what you want to do and then you make a plan and then you brief that plan. It doesn't have to be very elaborate. It can just be like, Hey, I want to do this. Uh, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, go from the military and I want to become a realtor it's a pretty saturated market. It's, it's very dynamic. So what's going to help set you apart from other realtors before you even get there and start working on that plan and talk to people about it, find other realtors uh, that are, that are successful in that role, maybe even hire a coach if you need to hire a coach 
and, and uh, to, to get you down the line, invest in yourself. So make that plan and then execute. Like first you make the plan, you, you brief the plan, you talk to the plan, you talk with other people about it. And then you do what I like to call a dirt dive. It's, which is a, a term that we use in the Navy. It's really rehearsing the plan. Like you, you poke holes in the plan. You have someone else poke holes in the plan. And then you figure out what the contingencies are. And then you go execute it and you come back and you have lessons learned. You have an after action review. And then you go back and you take those lessons learned and then you apply it and then you execute again. You plan, you brief, you dirt dive, you execute, you do this after action review again. And you just keep doing that until you get where you want to go. The other piece of that, so have somewhat of a plan. The other piece of that is to execute. Action, will, the, the action that you take will take the anxiety that you have away. If you sit there and kind of wallow in, in the unknown, it's better to start moving in a direction than to not move at all. It doesn't matter if you're moving in the wrong direction. You can always turn around and find out. But until you start moving forward, you're only going to have the perspective of what you see right in front of your face. When you start moving, the world changes perspective. Everything around you is seen from a different angle. So as you move through the jungle, the jungle looks different. As you move through life, life starts to look different. For example, the, th the three things that I do now, two, three years ago, never in my life would I have ever done this. And um, so right now I, I sell CBD. I said, I will never be in sales. I'm in sales. Uh, I will never speak from stage. I get on every stage I possibly can now. Um, I will net like who who am I to coach someone in business and leadership and anything else? I have who who am I? I'm I'm a nobody. Uh, well, that's what I do now. I I I sell CBD. I speak from stage and I coach people in business, in leadership, and 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 in life. And uh, and so, but it it took me taking action. It took me going down one road and then deciding and then realizing like, I actually need to go this way. But it, had I not started moving forward in a direction, it doesn't matter what direction it is. Just start moving, accept failure that you're going to experience along the way, learn those lessons, apply those lessons, and then move on to, to what you actually are going to end up doing at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great, great um, lesson um, is uh, move, go, go one, there's 360 degrees that you can move toward, move toward one of them. And now once you, even if it's the wrong one, you're like, okay, I got 259 other choices. I know that that one is wrong. Right. At, at right. the very least. Right. Um, you know, if you stop and you don't move, you know, just like if you're stuck somewhere in the jungle, in the snow or something, if you don't move, you go in hypothermia, you die. Right. And so, um, so I think that's a lesson everybody should, should have is that, if you don't know which way to go, try something, right? Do something, but rather than nothing. Yeah, hundred percent. And and th that just reminded me of so when we do ship attacks, you know, we, we the way that we navigate underwater when we when we attack a ship is we we have a compass. It's a giant compass. It's about this big, um, so you can see it underwater at night without lighting it up. Uh, you have a depth gauge, so you know how deep you are, and you have a compass. Uh, I'm sorry, a watch. And the watch is just to tell you how long you've been going in a direction. The depth gauge is to make sure that you don't go too deep or too shallow. And, uh, and then you navigate, you know, I go this way for 20 minutes, 22 minutes, and then I, then I turn 90 degrees and I go this way and then, you know, box my way into the enemy harbor to find the ship that I'm looking for to put the bomb on it or whatever it is, the tracking device or whatever. And so when you get under that ship, it's the darkest of nights you've ever been a part of. 
when you're in the harbor, there's lights out, but when you're under that ship, it's the, the darkest that you've ever experienced in your life. And also that compass that you have that helped you get where you were going, that helped you navigate there, it doesn't work. It does not work under that ship. It does this. So you have to not look at the compass. So the trick that we do is, you know, we, you, have, you fly, we, you, we say fly, you swim. You're like very, you keep the thing very tight like this to your body so you can read it and, and everything is straight and you're streamlined through the water. So what we do when we are under that ship, we put our back against the ship and then we flip the compass upside down. We close our eyes and we just start swimming for two minutes away from the ship. Like I, my buddy squeezing me, I, my, I squeeze my buddy back, close my eyes, compass up down, upside down and I swim for two minutes and I'm counting in my head, like how, like how many kicks. And then I, after about two minutes, I flip the, the compass over. Hopefully I'm going in the direction that I want to, to get away from the ship because I've, I've, I've gotten far enough from the ship. It's not affecting the compass anymore. The compass comes back to the direction that's supposed to go. Okay, check. Now I can make my 90 degree turn to get out of the Harbor. And so, and navigate out of the Harbor. That's just an example of like, sometimes you just have to go with blind faith to swim in a direction that is away from where you are right now. You know that you don't want to go back that way. You know you need to go that way. So close your eyes. Don't even look at the compass because the compass is going to tell you the wrong thing and just swim blindly. We call it a blind swim, funny enough. And then once you're far enough away, turn the compass over. Now let's figure out where we need to go and, and, and get, out of, uh, get out of danger. Yeah. Get where same, we want to go. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, thanks for sharing that because uh, I, I did some... I, all of us did some paddy dive training of some sort. And uh, I think there was one little part where they teach you like, Hey, if you can't see, this is what you do, you know? And then if you, if you, uh, if you're, cause you're in a big wide ocean, you don't know like which direction is, which once you're underwater, right. just like you said. Um, but, and it's uh, easy to get distracted if you're looking at the compass yeah. and the compass tells you the wrong way. Cause it'll tell you to like, boom, right back yeah. into the ship. Yeah. And, and good example of that, because for, for life, like we need to just take a best best guess, like which direction we should go in life, you know, for us, right? And then we need to say like, hey, if I've gone this far, where am I now? Like you take a check-in, right? Once you're out of the zone of confusion, which is what you are right. when the compass is spinning around. 100%, yeah. Right? And when you're under the ship, you're complete, completely in the dark because it blocks all the, all the light and everything. And so, um, you know, we can all we can all, you know, attest to sometimes in our life where we feel, you know, very dark like that. So uh, thank you, Brian. Uh, thank you, William. Um, I think, um, you know, you share so much, you know, with us. Um, I could probably talk to you all day about all these exercises and stuff like that and CBD and, and all that stuff, how, how this helped you. There's not enough time in the day, you know, to get to know kind of the, 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 the whole, you know, breadth of work that you've done, you know, throughout your life you know, in the Navy and in the Navy SEAL and, and, you know, popular culture talk about Navy SEAL, you know, a lot. And um, I love just be able to talk to you, you know, directly and have you be able to share, you know, your story. And I think your story, you know, is, is a lot like other people who have a singular direction and know where they're going and be able to achieve what you achieve is, is incredible. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think I, hopefully that I can help other people with, you know, with my story. And some of that, again, is that it's that vulnerability. It's like, take that ego off because my entire adult life, I've never shown, wanted to show weakness ever. I didn't want people to think I was weak and, and insignificant. And now I'm like, whatever, dude, I struggle. I fail. That's part of the process. 
let's roll. Let's just get better from here. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's uh, what we all sh all should do, especially in uncertain times, you know, like this. And um, uh, I, we don't know what will what will happen tomorrow. As so many people out there right now that I'm talking to, like, oh my God, the you know real estate market's gonna crash. Or just we just bought our home, you know, six months ago, and interest rates are high. We can't refinance and this and that. And so um, a lot of fear out there. And uh, I think uh, that's just you know, where we are in life, where we're, when there's all that fear, it just means you're uncertain. You're in the dark, right. you don't know where to go. Well, you know, kind of take a guess, like what's the best direction to go and take it and do your best. And if, if it doesn't work out, turn around, go the other way. Yep. hundred percent. All right. Uh, well, William, thank you so much for being on. Um, I've, I've learned a lot and Leo, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, I'm going to put, uh, I put the link here in the chat uh, here with uh, your uh, website. Um, you're reachable on all the, all the social media platforms. We'll get that out there as well. And then uh, we'll get this wrapped up. And um, thank you for being here. And I uh, hope to ha have you on again and kind of see where your life takes you from here, here forward. Awesome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. All right, William. Talk soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to receive notifications of all new episodes, and please give us a positive review. And if you want to hang out with us live, check out our YouTube channel where you can continue the conversations with me and our guests.